Okay, we're back in the uh, full armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll be focusing on verses 17 and 18 today. And uh, uh, we have the handouts on the, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and then I think I'm going to get a little further to, to praying in the Spirit at all times, and so there's a handout on that as well uh, before we get back to our regular uh, uh, full armor of God notes. So uh, if you turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer for the, the anoints the preaching of the word uh, one more time. Father, in Jesus' precious name, we just love you, Lord, and uh, we come to you with heavy hearts. There's our loved ones that are, that are suffering, our loved ones that, that uh, have, have passed on to glory, and... Um, we just pray, Lord, that as, as we lose freedoms in this country and as persecution of believers is on the rise, um, I just pray, Lord, that uh, you would help us and empower us to be content only with you since everything else can be taken from us. So I pray, Lord, that you would give us the, the full armor of God, that you would cause us to be all that you called us to be, and so I pray that as we study this passage, Lord, it would be your truth. It would not be the faulty uh, wisdom of man. And so I pray that you would anoint me with your spirit, fill me with your spirit, so that I would proclaim your truth, and so that I would not lead anyone astray. I pray you'd open hearts and minds, including my own, to receive truth from your word. And that uh, you would empower us by your spirit and for your glory to apply these truths to our lives so that we could be pleasing in your sight. We just love you, Lord. We thank you for salvation in Jesus. We thank you for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We thank you um, for your word. And we thank you that, uh, that you're a God who hears, a God who answers our prayers. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So we're still talking about the full armor of God. This is what we need to have. We need to put on the full armor of God each and every day. Okay, this is not something that is just like, well, I'm going to take a day off today. Well, guess what? Uh, Satan's not taking a day off today. Okay? So, you know, you're either going to further uh, God's kingdom work um, or you're going to get knocked back. Okay? And don't get me wrong, I don't want you to be workaholics. I'm learning that I need to take rest. And I think when we rest in the Lord, um, God strengthens us so that we can even get more done for his kingdom through his power and for his glory. Uh, but we have to have the full armor of God on each and every day. Oh, and and the, the two things that we're dealing with now, when you look at verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, we're talking about that. And then Paul says, praying always. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So what we're focusing on right now with the full armor of God is the word of God, which is our only offensive weapon, the sword of the spirit, and prayer. And we should be praying at all times in the Spirit for all the saints. Okay? We've got saints around the world. We, 
we think we're being persecuted now. I mean, it's just, and, and we're, we're right to fight this at this point. You've got to fight it at the start. You can't wait till it's too late. And, uh, but the fact of the matter is we've got it really good compared to our brothers and sisters around the globe that are being persecuted and put to death for their faith. But we need to start each day with the word of God and prayer. Okay? Um, and, you know, if you get, the Bible tells us, if you do, there's certain things that you do, you'll be filled with the Spirit. All believers are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. It's like, again, it's like you're driving a car and the Holy Spirit's in the passenger side seat. All believers are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. If you're trusting in Jesus alone for salvation, you are, in, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't get more of him, he gets more of you. That's when he's behind the steering wheel and you move to the passenger side seat. And God's word tells us there are certain things that if we do them, God will fill us with his spirit. Okay? And that's the word of God, studying the God's word, Prayer, fellowshipping with other believers, okay, being obedient to God's word through the power of the Holy Spirit. There are certain things that if we do those things, God will fill us with his spirit, worshiping him. Okay, I mean, at the very least, start each day with the word of God and prayer. But if you can squeeze in a little worship, go for it. Okay, and uh, make it. Make it so that it becomes natural to walk in the supernatural. So you don't have to say, oh, um, in fact, I got a Facebook message from a former student that was at a, she was at a gas station and she Facebooked me and asked me to pray because uh, she thinks that she, she ran into a lady who's demon possessed. And so I prayed for her and for her protection and that the Holy Spirit would use her to cast out Demons, if necessary. and um, um, But don't, we should not walk around and say, oh, wow, look, now here's a heavy spiritual situation. I need to get in the spirit real quick. Wouldn't it be nice if we were walking around in the spirit already? And to do that, we got to pray without ceasing. We got to study God's word. We got to meditate on God's word. We ought to be thinking about God's word all day long. Okay, and uh, so uh, so now we deal with the, the sword of the spirit. We're going to finish up what we talked about last week, and then the word of God. Now you you look at the the whole armor of God, so we don't lose the context. It starts at verse fourteen. Got to have the belt of truth. Okay, I'm I'm kind of I, at this point. You know, I don't have a lot of confidence in the American church. It's been so watered down in our attempt to find common ground. Uh, with the world, we become the world. Uh, but what I'm finding now is that, there's a, there's, that there is a remnant that will not compromise. And that's very encouraging. So in this world of fake news, we have a lot of Christians who are wearing the belt of truth. Okay? We've got to speak the truth. Speak the truth in love, but speak the truth. We've got to put on the breastplate of righteousness. If you've got a sloppy walk with the Lord and you're living a sinful life, and you're living for yourself, not for the Lord, uh, God's not going to use you in spiritual battle. Okay, you're one of the spiritual casualties. Got to have on the belt, 
the, the breastplate of righteousness, our shoes. Are we, we we've got to be shoed with the uh, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Be prepared to share the gospel with others at a moment's notice. Learn how to share the gospel with a 20-second presentation, a one-minute presentation, a three-minute presentation, and a 30-minute presentation if need be. But we've got to be prepared that that person, somebody might bump into you and they might be open right then and there, and they might not be open again for the rest of their life. We've got to be prepared. Um, then we have to take the shield of faith. That's how we quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. That shield of faith, trusting in the Lord, not trusting in ourselves. If we're of the true circumcision, we put no confidence in the flesh. That means we put no confidence in ourselves. When everybody, whenever somebody walks up to you and says, "Oh, Pastor John, you're such a godly man," and uh, you know, and um, I really enjoyed the last sermon that you preached, and all well, that's good. It's nice that we should encourage one another. But when you hear an encouragement like that, right, you know, thank them. Don't talk down and thank them for that. But then you go off in a corner and you say a prayer and you say, Lord, um, uh, you know, that person needs to talk to my wife. Find out I'm not as godly as, as they think, you know. So, so basically, don't think of yourself higher than you ought, okay? Have that, uh, have that uh, humility. But we got, our trust is in the Lord. Not in ourselves, okay? Uh, we have to take the helmet of salvation. If you're, if you're not saved, don't even go into battle. You're going to just get torn up. And then the sword of the Spirit, and then prayer. And so we've been talking about the sword of the Spirit. I recommended the navigators. The navigators in their hand illustration, they said that we need to hear the Word of God properly preached. Hopefully that's going on here at this church, Okay? Uh, we got a lot of a lot of Christians in Kitsap County. It's sad. A lot of Christians in Kitsap County are going to churches that either stopped preaching the gospel generations ago, or churches that hold to the gospel and have a good statement of faith, but they don't want to offend anybody, and they'll jump on all these secular bandwagons. We got churches in Kitsap County that promote critical race theory. That's not the belt of truth. Okay, and uh, so uh, whatever the case, you've got to hear the word properly preached. You've got to read the word on your own and not just read it. Then you've got to get to the point where you study it. You try to figure out what does it actually mean? What does this passage mean? Then we need to actually memorize scripture. Jesus quoted scripture when he was tempted by Satan. Three times he quoted from the book of Deuteronomy. How many of us have verses memorized from the book of Deuteronomy. Now, I, I, I probably would have exhausted, if I quoted from Deuteronomy three times, I probably would have exhausted all the verses that I've memorized from Deuteronomy. So I'm sure Jesus memorized the whole book. So he can not only quote passages from Deuteronomy, but actually quote them in their proper context. You know, and I, I wonder when Jesus, Jesus learned like we learned in his human nature. So I, I wonder if as he... Uh, Memorize scripture if you ever stop and thought, oh yeah, I remember writing that a few two thousand years ago, and uh, it's coming back to me now. But um, but whatever the case, uh, we've got to memorize scripture. If you don't memorize scripture, you're not prepared for battle. By the way, I've got a 
a lot of, you know, I do memorization verses, but I got a lot of verses that I can paraphrase. And so if you can't quote it, at least put it in your own words. But I will say this, it will get you in a little bit of danger. If you get a translation that you didn't understand it too well, and you're, you kind of understood it out of context, and then you put it in your own words. You know, so there's sometimes when I'm about to paraphrase a passage where I'll just tell the people, you know what, I don't want to butcher God's word. Let's, let's, let's actually turn to the passage. And um, uh, sometimes I'll do that with a memorization verse if I may forget it. Uh, but memorize God's word, and that's not, that's not even the final stage there. Then we need to go to the next step and meditate on God's word. Now, that's not Hindu Eastern meditation where you just empty your mind and you allow any evil spirit entity to come in and take control. But that's where you empty your mind of your own desires, but you focus your mind on truths from God's word. And that will be very, very difficult if you don't have passages memorized. Okay? How many times we run into people say, well, God, God helps those who help themselves. You know, it's like, where did you get that from? Well, it's in the Bible. Where in the Bible is that? Well, it's in there somewhere. You look hard enough, you'll find it. No, it's not in the Bible. Okay? So we need to really memorize Scripture, study Scripture. It, it, I would never memorize a passage that I hadn't studied. In other words, you want to really find out what the passage means because you don't want to quote it out of context. Like Philippians 4.13, I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So based on that verse taken out of context, people are claiming they can win a football game by claiming that verse. By the way, I don't think Tim Tebow quotes that verse out of context because Tim Tebow was as good of a loser as he was a winner. Um. But a lot of people will claim Corvettes in Jesus' names. There's, there's handprints on dusty Corvettes all over Kitsap County. People claiming a Corvette in Jesus' name because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You read the passage, the surrounding verses, Paul says, I know what it's like to go hungry. And I know what it's like to, to be prosperous. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, what he's saying is, I can survive and thrive through any circumstance, whether I'm rich or poor. Okay, so when you say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that's not naming and claiming a billion dollars. That means sitting in a damp prison cell for preaching the gospel. And getting tortured each day like some Christians are in this world right now. And saying, you know what? They, you got broken bones and all, and you're all chained up, and they pick you up for your next beating, take you to another room, and then you say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I'm not saying don't quote that verse, but quote it in its proper context. Good times, bad times, I'm going to praise Jesus just the same. That's what that passage means. And so we meditate on God's word, okay? We could do it in an air-conditioned room or when it gets cold in a heated room. The Jews had to go and sit under fig trees just to get some shade. And, um, uh, but God's word is a sword. It's our only offensive weapon in spiritual battle. 
The word of God cuts down the lies of Satan. It defeats the forces of evil. It gives victory to faithful disciples of Christ. In this temporary world, do you want to hold on to something that's eternal? Hold on to the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our God stands forever. The Bible's totally without error. It can be trusted. This should be our final authority by which we trust, through which we trust everything else. So if I hear something on television or on the internet, I test it with the word of God. Okay? Um, for some people, they, they, they act like the Bible's their authority, but they use their reason to determine which passages they like, which ones they don't like, which one they could just say, oh, you know, I don't think God created the universe in six days and this and that and blah, 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 and... Uh, I don't believe God created Adam from the ground and Eve from his side. I don't believe there was a global flood. Ah, that's all mythology. First 11 chapters of Genesis are just, just mythology. And people take human reason and try to stand in judgment. Well, then the Bible's not your final authority. Your so-called reason is. Let me tell you something. If there's a God who created the heavens and the earth, and how long it took him to create it, that's his business. He could have done it in six days if he wanted to. And uh, if, uh, if there's a God who created the heavens and the earth, he could have flooded the entire earth. Okay? Uh, and so we need to trust the word of God. The word of God is totally without errors. It's been proven. Uh, uh, we need to test all things with God's word. It equips us for every good work. As I mentioned, we're to meditate on God's word daily, and we're to quote scripture when we are tempted. King David said in Psalm 119.11, Thy word I have treasured in my heart, that I may not sin against thee. Jesus three times in Matthew 4, 1-11, quoted from the book of Deuteronomy when he was tempted. Look, if God became a man... And when he was tempted by Satan, he felt the need to quote scripture. What makes us think that we're going to resist temptation without, without quoting scripture, without using the word of God as the sword uh, of the spirit? Uh, uh, look at John 5, 39 and 40. The Gospel of John. I don't want to give you the, the false impression that Wow, man, this, the more I memorize scriptures, um, uh, the more holy I'll be, okay? There's going to be a lot, realize there's going to be a lot of people burning in hell forever who have large chunks of the Bible memorized. When Jesus was butting heads with the Pharisees, the Jewish rabbis who rejected him, he did not deny the fact that they thoroughly knew the word of God. Now, they didn't misinterpreted it. They were looking for legal technicalities to try to earn their way to heaven instead of looking for Jesus in the scriptures. So uh, I want us to understand, this is, it's not like the Bible is a textbook and if you, just, if you could pass Bible trivia, you'll go to heaven. Okay? You've got to apply what the Bible teaches. So John 5, 39 and 40 says, you search the scriptures. And he's, com he's complimenting them. He said, you guys diligently study the scriptures. You search the scriptures. 
How many of us, when something goes wrong, search the scriptures? I don't want to show hands. How many of us, when stuff goes, tough, stuff goes wrong, we don't search the scriptures? It would be nice if you had enough of the scriptures memorized. You could search the scriptures right here. Okay? My day, when I first got saved, you had to, you had to break out a Bible. Nowadays, you can go on your smartphone and get any translation you want. But Jesus says to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. Okay? So, because the Bible is the sword of the Spirit, that does not mean that just the more I know of the Bible, the more saved I'm going to be, or whatever. Oh, I get saved by memorizing Scripture. No, that's not what, what Paul's saying. It's not what Jesus is saying. You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me, says Jesus. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. So he's saying, you guys know lots and lots of scriptures. You've got them memorized, large chunks of the Old Testament, and you're still hellbound because you didn't see that the scriptures point you to me. And then if you come to me for salvation, I will save you. That's why I say true spirituality, and this is... Got this from Francis Schaeffer from the 1970s. True spirituality equals propositional truth plus personal relationship. Let me repeat that. True spirituality equals propositional truth, true statements. That's why most good churches like ours have a, have a statement of faith. Okay, Propositional truth plus personal relationship. You can't get to heaven. Unless you know certain truths taught in the scriptures. That you're a sinner, you can't save yourself. You deserve the flames of hell. And uh, that Jesus is God the Son, become a man, who died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead to conquer death for you. And that you need to trust in him alone for salvation to be saved. You have to know with your mind those propositional truths. But then you have to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus by applying those truths and trusting in Jesus for salvation. Nobody gets to heaven by believing the right things about Jesus. You get to heaven because you believe the right things about Jesus and then because of that, you trust in the true Jesus of the Bible alone for salvation. Okay? Just think about the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons. Many of them have more verses of the Bible memorized than we do. But they're misinterpreting them. And they don't know Jesus. And so Jesus said, look, if you had to sum up the Old Testament in one word, if you had to sum up the Bible, the entire Bible, now we have the New Testament, the Old and New Testament in one word, that one word would be Jesus. Look for Jesus in the Old Testament. Pat's going to be doing some studies on the, the, the Jewish faith and the Jewish culture. And, and a lot of it deals with the Old Testament. Uh, Paul, her, hermeneutics is the science of biblical interpretation. Saul of Tarsus, when he was on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians, he may have had memorized the entire Old Testament for all I know. Okay? But he interpreted it, his hermeneutic, 
his interpretation of the Old Testament, he was legal-centered, law-centered. He was looking for technicalities. When Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's in Acts chapter 9. Why are you persecuting me? Saul, being a smart guy, said, well, Lord, who are you? So he knew he was the Lord, but please identify who you are, Lord. And he said, Jesus said to him, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you, whom you persecute. Now, Jesus blinded Paul for three days. I think during those three days, he did a lot of thinking. I don't know about you. If I was blinded for three days, I'd do a lot of thinking. Um, I, I wouldn't go skiing. I wouldn't, there's a lot of things I wouldn't do. Like I, 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 I can, can see, and I wouldn't go skiing anyway, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't box or lift weights. You know, if I was blinded for three days, I'm, I'm just sitting there and thinking. And I think during those three days, Paul knew the Old Testament, but he misinterpreted. He was looking for rules and regulations, and now he realized, i got to rethink my hermeneutic, my hermeneutics. i got to rethink my interpretation of the Old Testament. i got to look for Jesus in the Old Testament. And um, um, so, so just as Jesus told the Pharisees, so too for us, the Bible is not mere head knowledge. It must be applied. Okay, uh, if, if you're a Christian long enough, you will run into, hopefully not here at our church, but you will run into quote-unquote Christians, professing Christians, guys who know more, have more verses memorized than even the pastor sometimes. And every time you say something, they'll, they'll correct every word, because, oh, that wasn't biblically sound here, and this and that. But sometimes you'll find some of these guys, and uh, they they... they Treat their, their wife bad. They're nasty to their kids. Some have, are foul mouth and stuff like that. Hey, look, the Bible is not mere head knowledge. Okay? You've got to also apply what you learn through the power of the Holy Spirit and for God's glory. You've got to apply what you learn from the Scriptures to effectively use the sword um, of the Spirit. The Bible is not mere head knowledge. Uh, it must be uh, uh, applied. And uh, so, now, and the thing is, too, is when I say true spirituality is propositional truth, that's truths we learn from the Bible, plus personal relationship, our personal relationship with the Lord, there's no such thing as somebody who's got too much of one of those. Okay? So don't ever, and by the way, we used to have a guy that used to come to this church. Decades ago, um, he said, I know, I found, I figured out what your problem is. I said, okay, what's my problem? He said, well, you have too much wisdom. And by that, he meant biblical knowledge. And I, and I, I said, okay, well, then who's got more wisdom, me or the Apostle Paul? He said, the Apostle Paul. I said, well, then leave me alone. He's got a bigger problem than I got. And uh, so there's no such thing as, oh, you have too much propositional truth, too much knowledge of God's word. There's no such thing as, oh, you, um, you experience God too much. You have too much personal relationship with Jesus. Okay? No, you can never have too much of either one of those. The problem is when you try to have one at the expense of the other. When you say, look, well, I just want head knowledge. I don't want to really trust in Jesus. 
and, uh, and then have him change my life. Um, you know, there's just some guys who just like say, hey, I, I just want to study the scriptures and write books on end time prophecies and, uh, and then get drunk on Friday and Saturday nights. No. Uh, but then there's other guys that will say, hey, um, I want to have that personal relationship with Jesus, just me and Jesus. Well, do you study your Bible? Nah, nah, this Bible's not important, it's just Jesus. Well, how do you know the Jesus you're walking with is the true Jesus of the Bible? I mean, two books in the 20th century were written by spirit entities who identified themselves as Jesus. They're both channeled through New Agers. So to be totally honest with you, if you walk with a spirit entity who is your friend and identifies himself as Jesus, I want to find out about that Jesus you're talking about. And if it's a reincarnation, New Age Jesus... That's not the lamb who was slain. That's not the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. Okay? And um, so the Bible's not mere head knowledge. It must be uh, applied. Okay, and then the godly person puts their hope in God's word. This is really, really tough for Americans. Um, Some countries are... Like Ethiopia, they might be Christians might be starving so much that God is their only hope. That's all they can trust in. They've got nothing worth, so nothing else. So they just trust in God and His Word. But look at Psalm one thirty, verse five. Psalm one thirty, verse five. Now, again, on these notes, I give you lots of passages that you can look up in your free time. We're only going to touch on a few here. But Psalm one thirty, verse five. In God's word there in Psalm 130, verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word do I hope. Okay? So we have to have hope in God's word. By the, by the way, waiting on the Lord doesn't mean being lazy. Okay? Um, waiting on the Lord is when you're going through a tough time or you're looking for some answer and you pray and God hasn't given you that answer. Well, then you just trust on the Lord and you just keep moving on and you, you keep doing what God's called you to do. So it's not the cessation of work, um, but it's actually a reviving of the human spirit through the power of the Holy Spirit where you just trust God with the outcome. Okay? Um, I remember it was a Christian band that wanted to get some, uh, some concerts and churches and stuff, and so they asked me to help them. And uh, so I took a few hours out of my busy schedule, called a few pastor friends, and lined up four or five concerts for them. Called up one of the guys from the band, let him know, and he said, okay, we'll pray about it. <laughs> but pray about it? I thought you were already praying about, Lord, give us these opportunities, and then when the opportunities come, if we're free during those times when God's answered the prayer. But they prayed about it. So two weeks later, they called me up and said, yeah, we prayed about it, and God wants us to take those concerts, and I had to tell them, no, they're, they're already taken now. That's not waiting on the Lord. 
That's when you pray and you ask God for an answer, if he gives you an answer, accept the answer. It's when God doesn't give you an answer where you've got to wait on the Lord. Okay? Uh, when I got the call to preach, when I realized that God was calling me to preach, it took 10 years from that. I was in, in law enforcement. It took me 10 years from that day um, to go full-time in the ministry. So a lot of that was waiting on the Lord. And you know what? That was a lot of studying. That was a lot of work in law enforcement. Um, uh, that was, that was a, a lot of studying, a, a lot of sharing the gospel with others. And uh, so, uh, but we, sh- we need to wait on the Lord and wait on God's word and trust in God's word. And I have other passages there for you to look up when you get a chance. Uh, we must obey God's word through God's power. This is, this is very important. Any time you try to obey God's word in your own power and acting as if you are righteous enough to obey God's word in your own strength, the Bible's got a word for that. It's called sin. Okay? So even when we do quote-unquote good things, and we're trying to do it in our own strength, we're just, we're just re-offering Cain's sacrifice, the work of his own hands. So we've got to acknowledge daily, Lord, I put no confidence in the flesh. I cannot obey you from the heart in my own strength. So Lord, please empower me to obey you. So but what I'm saying is you obey God's word, but you humbly obey God's word, acknowledging that if you do obey God's word from the heart on that particular day, that was him working through you. Okay? And uh, so, but uh, we must obey God's word through God's power and for God's glory. Um, Psalm 119, again, when you get a chance, read the entire Psalm 119. I think it's 176 verses, the biggest uh, chapter in the Bible, and uh, and it's all about God's word. It calls it God's law, the, the statutes, the precepts, the word of God. Um, but God's word strengthens us and enlightens us. If you want spiritual power, you need to study God's word. Somebody who isn't studying God's word and isn't in prayer, it's like trying to drive a car on empty. Okay. And um, and so uh, uh, God's word strengthens us and enlightens us. It gives us the power that we need for spiritual battle, and it gives us the knowledge we need for spiritual bo- battle. Again, we must trust in God's word, and even when persecuted, Psalm 119, verses 61 and 90, verse 95 tells us, even when persecuted, we do not forget God's word. Corey Ten Boom tells stories about being in a uh, Nazi uh, labor camp and they were praying because they didn't have Bibles. And they found out things weren't going real well in World War II, in case you don't know your history, um, for the Germans. And um, so the German guards, even, even some of their needs weren't taken care of. And one of the things that even the German guards didn't have, they didn't have toilet paper. 
So they didn't respect the Bible, so they were tearing pages out of the Bible. You did to blow their nose, to use it for other purposes or whatever, and then throwing it in garbage cans. And once Corrie Ten Boom and her fellow inmates found out, they'd go through the garbage cans and get another page of God's Word. How many Americans would thank God and weep for joy to have a crumpled up page from God's word that's even kind of got disgusting stuff on it. We're so spoiled in America. I cannot count how many Bibles I have. And um, uh, that's America. Um, I have to, you know, God bless them, but my students at the Christian school that I teach at, every few years we got to get new new set of Bibles because they just get... Now, part of it just being used so much in Bible classes, but part of it is just plain lack of respect for God's Word. If there's a fly flying around in a room and there's no fly squatter, I'll catch students taking a Bible and trying to hit him. And uh, that's America. You go to some third world country where they came to Jesus, literally there are people that give you their right arm. For just the New Testament. That's why we have the Gideons come in. You know, who are these guys? Um, guys that love Jesus. And they love his word. And they know it's the sword of the spirit. And they dedicate their lives to getting the Bibles into the hands of as many people as possible. In as many languages as possible. Um, so even when persecuted, we do not forget God's word. By the way, if you don't memorize scripture and you get locked up in a prison for preaching the word, I, I assume if I get locked up in prison for, for preaching God's word, if they outlaw Christianity, I get the impression they're probably going to, you know, watch me for two weeks and then realize this guy's got a loud mouth. He can't shut up. He keeps talking about Jesus. So, there's a thing called solitary confinement. Okay? Well, if you get stuck in solitary confinement in a prison for preaching the gospel, you better have Bible verses memorized. Because I, I don't think, you know, I mean, I would try it, but I doubt if a prison guard's going to give you an unauthorized Bible. And say, don't tell anybody I gave this to you. Um, we've got to memorize God's word. So even when persecuted, we do not forget God's word. Um, and God's, God's word gives us more wisdom than our enemies. Psalm 119, verse 98, and verse 130. It's not going to seem like that. It doesn't seem like that right now. Look at all these people. What are these people saying? Uh, if... Uh, if you don't want to get vaccinated, um, uh, you're, you're anti-science. So they just, they pick a side. Right or wrong, they pick a side, and their side is automatically scientific. Okay? Um, they'll do the same with history. They'll act like, well, we, do, we hate America, so we'll make America the worst nation on earth all throughout its history. And if you disagree with us, you don't know history. 
So, you know, when the people with the billions of dollars that control all the universities and all the kindergarten through 12th grade schools and the colleges and the graduate schools and the, they control the media, it sure doesn't seem like we know more uh, than our enemies. We have more wisdom than our enemies. Okay? Um, but I'll tell you, if Bill Gates were standing up here right now, assuming everyone here has trusted in Jesus for salvation, you got more wisdom than that guy. Okay? Bill Gates, I don't know, he doesn't even need to know Phil Fernandez from the man in the moon, but if he knew Phil Fernandez, he would probably pity me. I'd tell him, I'd say, dude, don't pity me, I pity you. I think it was you, Ed, I think you sent out, what does it, Mark 8, 36, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And you call me your Bible, you can write, Bill Gates. Come on, Bill. Get with the program. Not your program. Not the World Economic Forum. Not the Council of Foreign Relations. Not the UN. Get with God's program. If you can't figure out that God wins, you can have a whole bunch of human knowledge. You don't have eternal knowledge. That's why the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay? we got to stop judging people based on the world's false knowledge. And we got to look at God's word and determine where people are coming from based on God's wisdom uh, in his word. Uh, also, the, the Bible talks about oppression. Uh, now, the Marxists always want to make whoever controls, whoever are the, um, the leading people in a culture, if the Marxists want to take it over, they always turn them into the oppressors. And, um, and then they claim they're coming to bat for the oppressed ones. And it's just Marxist lies. Uh, but, but the Bible does say that there is real oppression. And we seek freedom from oppression in fact, look at Psalm 119, verse 134. Psalm 119. And verse 134. You realize we seek freedom from oppression, for what purpose? So that we can obey God's word. Psalm 119, 134. Redeem me from the oppression of man. Why? That I may keep your precepts. And the biblical view of freedom is the freedom to obey God. The freedom to be all that God called you to be. It's not the freedom to go out and commit whatever little sin you want. That's why if I, if I meet two guys and they're libertarians, 
real quick, I'll find out who the Christian libertarian is versus who the secular atheist libertarian is. They both want freedom. They want, they want small government, get the government off my back. But the Christian libertarian is always going to be pro-life. The secular atheist libertarian is always going to be pro-abort. Well, that's the woman's right. She can do whatever she wants. It's like the Christian libertarian wants the freedom to do the right thing. Okay? Now, some people are going to misuse that freedom. But, you know, so many of us Christians right now are praying that the government would cease oppressing us. It looks like it's going to get worse than it is, but we want freedom from oppression. Do we want freedom from oppression so that we can obey God's word? Or do we want freedom from oppression uh, to just have a good career and make more money? Okay? Now, don't get me wrong. If you've got a good career to make money, to take care of your family, and to support the work of God's kingdom, that's a good thing. And I would hope and pray that I wouldn't lose that if I were you. Okay? Uh, but the goal there is so that we can obey the Lord and his word. And then Psalm 119, I think we're going to close with this, 165. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have those who love your law, that's God's word, and nothing causes them to stumble. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Do you love God's law? Do you love God's word? Okay? Um, those who love God's word experience his peace and righteousness. Peace is freedom from hostility, okay? It's freedom from worry, freedom from stress. And if we love God's word, no matter how bad things get, no matter how much garbage comes into our life, if we love God's word, okay, he's going to give us his peace. Now, he's not promising us Escape from your problems. Christians go through trials and difficult times just like non-believers do. God never promised, you trust in me for salvation and everything will be fun for the rest of your life. Only good things will happen to you. No. Christians go through difficult times just like the unsaved do. The difference is when we go through our trials, we don't go through our trials alone. The Lord is with us in the midst of our trials. You know, C.S. Lewis, and I'm going to butcher this paraphrase here, but he says, God will often whisper to us during the good times, but he shouts at us with a megaphone in our sufferings. And as we, in America encounter more and more opposition and more and more sufferings, God is going to be shouting to us through a megaphone. And so that in the midst of our oppression, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of sufferings, if we love God's word, we can experience peace 
and righteousness. I, I think I'm going to just read one other passage. I don't have it on the list, but Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And we'll close with this. And then we'll, that's the sword of the Spirit. The only thing, if the only thing you remember from this, hold on to those notes. Study it on your own. You need, to, you need to learn not just what the Bible says, but you need to learn what the Bible says about the Bible and about our relationship to the Bible. Okay? Um, but the Word of God, the Bible is the sword of the Spirit. It is our only offensive weapon in spiritual battle. Okay? Now, Proverbs 3 Five, in fact, we'll take five through seven. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. If you're going to trust in the Lord with all your heart, you're going to read what he said. Okay? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Well, how are you going to acknowledge him? Read what he said. There is a God and he's not silent. We serve a God who speaks, a God who has spoken to us in his word, and at times he even speaks to us in a small, still voice. So trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise. It becomes natural to walk in the supernatural. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Okay? Um, we need to trust God and his word. So what we've learned with the sword of the spirit, with the full armor of God, the, the, the sword of the spirit, that's our only offensive weapon in spiritual battle. What we learned, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. God has spoken. We serve a God who is not silent. It's not the God of the New Age movement. We just empty your mind and you just sit there and you, you try to stop thinking and then spirit entities come in and mess with you. God has spoken. Francis Schaeffer said, He is the God who is there, He is there, and He is not silent. And so this week and the week before, we learned about the sword of the Spirit, that God is not silent, God has spoken. God has spoken, praise God. Next week, we're going to learn about prayer. So God has spoken at this week. Next week, we serve a God who hears. But it's like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm just a little tiny guy on a little tiny speck called the planet Earth and this little tiny speck called the Milky Way in your great big universe. God, why would you even care about me? But the Bible says, God is not silent, but he is also a God who hears. And when you hurt, you feel like no one cares you feel like throwing in the towel, you turn to his word because God has spoken. And you cry out to God with your prayers and your supplications, your petitions, because he is a God who speaks, but he is also 
a God who hears. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, Lord, we thank you for your word. And uh, I pray, Lord, since your word is the sword of the spirit, that we would not use it as a weapon to beat up on each other. But we would use it to take on the mind of Christ, to learn your truth, to learn your wisdom. And through the power of the Holy Spirit to obey your laws. But I just pray, Lord, that uh, you would equip us to use the sword of the Spirit for spiritual battle. That we would, we would be grounded in your word. I pray that people, if they bump into our people at uh, Walmart or Fred Myers, they would say, oh, how those Trinity Bible Fellowship people love Jesus and love his word. The Muslims used to call Christians, even Muhammad would call Christians, the people of the book. Do non-believers in America even call Christians that anymore? May we be people of the book, people who love God's word, people who submit to God's word. So prepare us, Lord, for spiritual battle. Give us the full armor of God and help us to be grounded in your word so that we would use your word, the sword of the spirit, in spiritual battle. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. All right.